Welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. This week, we're cozying up with Jordan Risa. Jordan is a Filipino-American social media strategist, content creator, and founder of Scene Library. We chat all things social media and her online community called Scene. Welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm so excited to be sitting down with Jordan. She is a social media strategist, content creator, founder of Scene Library, and the editor of How to Be a Woman on the Internet. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty nervous to be here. I'm not on podcasts a lot. Oh my God, don't be nervous at all. Um, it's just going to be a casual convo. Uh, we just want to learn a little bit more about your background and kind of your career journey and how you got to where you are today. And I want to learn a little bit more about Scene Library and how to be a woman on the internet. Perfect. Um, so walk me through. I know you said you're um, from Los Angeles mm-hmm. area. Um, what was it like growing up? Did, what did you want to be when you were younger? I was always really into fashion ever since I could remember. So I think growing up, especially with like movies like 13 Going on 30 and Devil Wears Prada, I always wanted to get into fashion, probably more on like the magazine and editorial end. So I think that was kind of like when I was little, that that was what I had in mind. And then when I went to college, I studied public relations. I was actually a business major and I couldn't get through accounting. (laughs) So I switched my major to something that did not have accounting and I I did PR and throughout college, I did a ton of internships with fashion PR agencies. So um, Bolare, which worked with a lot of LA based brands like Planet Blue and I'm blanking now, but a lot of like, you know, just like smaller LA based brands. And then I also did a internship for a summer in New York and I worked for an agency that represented Vera Wang and Gucci Beauty and things like that. And so I had like kind of like two different experiences in like the fashion PR world. And did you enjoy fashion PR when you were interning? I I just assumed that I would go into that, but once I graduated, that's when social media really took off in 2013. And I got an offer for a job to go into an agency that did influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. And And that's early on for that. Right. And Mm -hmm. it was like a weird, um, a weird concept at the time. And we basically, well, my job was to really bridge the gap between influencers. And at the time it was um, YouTubers, fashion bloggers, mm-hmm. viners, and I would bridge the gap between them and, um, and brands. And some of the brands were like Ferragamo or Levi's and Revolve even. And, you know, I would be the one who, you know, whatever the budget was, let's say it was $10,000. I would pick those like 10 to 15 influencers and decide like who would be on that campaign. Wow. And I mean, social media marketing and influencer kind of marketing has really blown up since then. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on like where it started and kind of like what it, it's kind of grown into its own monster? Like with $10,000, you're not going to get 15 influencers right, these days. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at the time it was really cool and just like super exciting. And I think everyone's like really used to it now. And it, I look back and think about how 
people were just so excited to even pay a hundred dollars mm-hmm. for for a post because you know everyone was just like expressing themselves online for free and i think back then it was i'm i'm obviously so glad the budgets have changed because i think it's like a very um important and impactful way of marketing and advertising but i think back then it felt a bit more I don't know if like genuine's the right word, but it felt more earnest. Well, totally. I feel like now people, I mean, so many people's full-time careers are just like promoting products. Right. So to be a full-time influencer, at least as a consumer, like it's hard for me to like, I don't fall for things as easily because I know like this is paid. But when in the beginning days, it's like, oh, whatever someone recommends, like they genuine about that recommendation, you know? Totally. And I think that's what was so cool about it back then. You know, you can follow your favorite fashion blogger and you know that's their very unique style. And, you know, they're, they're they wearing paid for those, that clothing. Right, yeah. right. And you know exactly what they love and you can buy into that world. But now I would say it's, it's rare to see... I don't, I don't want to say it's rare, but I think there, it's very common for influencers to now be kind of like a walking billboard for various brands. And you see like 10 sponsored posts a month or five a week. And it, it it's very different than it was back then because it felt a bit more specific and a bit more targeted. And I know that you have um, like thoughts and feelings about like using social media for like brand promotion or for like selling products. Can you talk a little bit about like what is how to be a woman on the internet? How to be a woman on the internet is it's a newsletter. It's on Substack and I actually started it with my friend. Um, She was a creative director at a beauty brand where I was the social media director at the time. And so once we both left and we would just like get coffees, we would always be talking about the industry because she was like so heavily involved in the beauty world as creative director. And I was always working on social media, not just for myself, but for my clients. And so we'd come to like coffee and dinners and we'd just like talk about, you know, the good things about our jobs and where we're at, but also the not so pretty parts. And we, you know, we would talk about everything from beauty standards to influencers buying followers to all of the things that not just creators online, but people who just use social media in general, all the things that they feel like they need to keep up with to appeal to brands or to keep up with the people that they're looking at on on social media, whether it's you know, having to buy like the newest purse or getting work done and just all of those pressures that may not be talked about in a, in a more public way. And that I know that I was having these private conversations with her and also other friends. And so she came to the idea like, Hey, what do you think about us talking about these things, you know, just more publicly and just showing more transparency into social media and working in that, in that world. And so basically that's what it is. And I was really nervous to talk about these things openly at first, but um, I've I've been able to see that it's such a welcome conversation. And I think, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of nice being able to air out um, some of the things that I've been thinking about for the past few years. And what has the response been to the um, how to be a woman on the internet? Like, are people like relating to it a lot? Have you been getting like new topic ideas from it? Yeah, I think a lot of people who have who have been reading it and kind of responding, whether it's like commenting or messaging us about it, it's it's been really. Um, it's been welcomed with open arms, it feels like. And I think a lot of people are kind of disillusioned with social media right now. We've mm-hmm. we've been in it for over 10 years and I think it's changed so much. And like you said earlier, we've become just more savvy and more aware of what's going on behind the scenes. And I think people are really, um, really wanting to like kind of crack open that door and learn more about it. So yeah, it's been really good. What are your thoughts on like where we are right now in social media and like the future of where we're going in terms of like influencers and like brands and all of that? I feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm a great social media manager and strategist and I've been in the industry for a long time, but I also feel like I'm like the worst one because (laughs) I just, and I, I feel like maybe it's really naive, but I just don't really like focusing on numbers and success to me isn't isn't that in that way and just especially now when so many numbers are so inflated Mm -hmm. and we don't even know what's real or fake anymore when it comes to numbers so for me I think the future of like social media and influencers I really think it's working with people who really do have like a real point of view, just like it was like 10 years ago, instead of just working with someone because they have a certain amount of numbers or they have a certain look or because they worked with all of these brands, I think we're going to shift into, well, hopefully, I think this is what I would, I would like, I think it will shift into like working with people who have like genuine passions for something and not just yeah promoting product what i've noticed as like a brand and a consumer is that like as a consumer i'm more influenced by a little bit uh more of an authentic vibe and i i've been leaning more towards like tiktoks and people with like full-time jobs that like content create on the side maybe yeah or like more micro influencers and also on a branding side i think the most conversion we get are from smaller influencers wow, that really have like really like engaged communities. Right. Cause whenever we've like gifted or worked with like huge, huge influencers, like it, they don't move the needle as much as you would think because they're always, it's their content's so saturated. Yeah. 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 No. And I fully agree. And I was at a dinner with a, a branded dinner the other night and it was really refreshing to see that they had invited painters and ceramicists and jewelry designers and like the content creation side of it was an afterthought for them and I think we are going to shift in that direction like you said and even with the brands that I work with on their social media and influencer gifting I really try to find these like niche creators who have like a really specific cool point of view that's really refreshing and also, like you said, like people with full-time jobs or... But those people, yeah. like I feel like those people always start out really awesome. And then they're like, oh, I can make so much money being a full-time content creator because they the brands see their value. And then they lose 
the whole reason why people thought they were special and their initial point of view. Like I've seen like a lot of small, more niche micro influencers blow up and then they kind of like lose what yeah. was like awesome about them. I and that's the natural, same. right? Yeah. I've seen that a lot too. And I mean, I guess it's only natural to, I mean, it's hard to not be tempted by right. the money and the dollar signs at the end of the day, but and it's weird because I do think there is a market for that. Obviously, that's why yeah. they remain so big. But I think they go more into mass and commercial than a specific community and audience, like you said. Yeah, I've seen that a lot for a lot of TikTok influencers that I've been following for a while. But what are your thoughts? Because um, like social media has been dominated by like Instagram. And that's kind of like it's now like a shopping center, basically. And that's what it like, I guess, is created for now. But I've seen a lot of a bigger shift towards TikTok, at least personally and for our like own audience. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's great. Personally, I'm I'm on TikTok a little bit, but I don't spend as much time as I don't spend as much time there as probably the normal social media user does. I think it's great because I do think there is a shift in like this transparency and um yeah, honestly, like I can't speak the most about it because I I'm just not on there as much. But oh, you gotta get on there. It's a lot of fun. I know. <laughs> I, I I scroll, but I feel like my brain can only handle like yes. five to ten at a time, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. For the I know day. it can be dangerous. Like you can start scrolling and then look up three hours later, and you're like, what have I just been doing? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I really love TikTok, and my for you page is all like people speaking to camera and about like really interesting topics, like beauty standards and mm -hmm. the rise and fall of the influencer and things like that. So it's really informative in that way. And I really, I really enjoy it. So tell me a little bit, I want to learn about scene library. Yeah. Um, and you're the founder of that. What is scene library and how did you start it? Scene library is a community for book lovers and readers. And through this community, I've hosted book exchanges where we exchange books, but they're all wrapped in paper and have clues on them so that when we swap them or exchange them, we're really choosing this book, not based by its cover, but by the clues that we mm -hmm. really resonate with. And it's really weird because it's, you know, it's, it's a book and it's a book exchange, but it can get really intimate at times. And you really see where people's heads are at when they pick something that resonates with them. So we do book exchanges and that used to be a very um, like intimate thing. And I used to do it with just my girlfriends. And recently we just had our first public one that was a ticketed thing. And, awesome. you know, 20 people joined and it was all new faces. And that was really special and really cool to see just strangers coming in and bonding over books and reading and also talking about like why these clues resonated with them, which which got to be very um, vulnerable. And it, that was really cool to see. And we also do book drives. So collecting books that people want to donate and donating them to incredible organizations. And lastly, I do interviews, but um, like written interviews with photos on, on the site as well. And I guess like the way it kind of emerged. I didn't really have any plans for it. I think at the end of last year, I honestly was just kind of over social media, sick of myself because 
you know, I also do content creation for myself and I was just craving something that I think was more prevalent in social media like 10 years ago, which was like really community building and really connecting with people, like-minded people over a shared love or a shared passion. So like a Facebook group. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm not on any Facebook groups, but like what it used to be, like when it, that was like a thing. Yeah. And I think like when I first used social media 10 years ago, I would DM people who I really liked their like point of view or their visual aesthetic or their photography. And it was so fun meeting new people. And I think just being in the industry, I feel like I, I know so many people at this point and it's all based on social media or work. And I really wanted to connect with people outside of that. So that's kind of how it was born, just being sick of myself, but also wanting to just connect with other people over something I love. What is um, a book you've read recently that you would recommend our listeners to read and why? Right now, I'm not finished with it, but it's called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. And it's a fiction and it's just one that I just haven't been able to put down. And I've been on... I've been in a reading lull for, I would say the past month or so. And this is a book that's like really captured me and um, that I'm like been so excited to go home and to read. And it's, it's like an interesting concept. It's hard to explain. It's kind of, and I'm not a gamer by any means. I don't even have like any gaming consoles, but it's about um, a guy and a girl working in the video game space and they're building games, but it's more so like about the what ifs in life and the could have beens and um, about friendship. And it's it's a really great, great book to just escape to. Awesome. Um, and to take a little shift in our conversation, we're a jewelry company. So we always wanna learn a little bit more. I feel like jewelry can tell a lot about a person. Do you have any specific pieces of jewelry that you love? Do they have any sentimental value and why? Yeah, I think I would, I mean, the one that comes to the top of my head is my engagement ring. Um, we just hit our five years. Oh so. my God. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And it, married it, for five years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. I feel like a. I. it feels <laughs> so weird, especially being in LA where I feel like a lot of my friends aren't married or even dating. So yeah, it, it's funny, but my husband and I have been together for five years and I think, um, like it's weird because the, this past year has been the best year yet. So definitely my engagement ring. I I feel like I don't hold a lot of importance with like a lot of like items, whether Mm -hmm. it's like clothes or shoes or jewelry. And, you know, obviously that one has a different meaning to it. How did he propose? He just proposed in the downtown loft that we lived in. (laughs) And it was really simple and sweet. And he had made like a, I don't want to say a scrapbook, but a photo album of sorts of like just random photos of when we were dating and he put like little messages or notes about like his point of view on each, (laughs) each photo. And now he fills it every, every anniversary. He, he fills it up with more photos. So that, Oh God. So he's very romantic. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) secretly, I think I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have thought of him as like a romantic (laughs) type, but he's definitely sweet and sentimental in that way. Awesome. 
So what can we look forward to for Scene Library and how to be a woman on the internet? Like, what are your hopes and aspirations for your two ventures? Yeah, I think right now I'm, I'm like in a weird mindset where I'm just trying to take things day by day and really, really be present and just kind of look around and be grateful for where I'm at and not try to always do more and acquire more. So I think right now I'm like trying my best to approach scene library and how to be a woman on the internet as hobbies still. Mm -hmm. But of course I still want it to grow and become a bigger part of my life. So with scene library, I just hope to open it up to more people. We're having another public book exchange, I think at the beginning of the year, and I'm excited for just more, for more people to experience it and, you know, connect and have more people connect over it. And then with How to Be a Woman on the Internet, um, we're wrapping up our first, I don't know, it's a newsletter, so I don't wanna say season, but we're kind of wrapping it up for the end of the year. And I think Ford and I, my partner on it, we're going to really sit down and be more intentional with like this, the topics we're going to choose, the guests we'll have on and, um, yeah, just have a, a a bit more of like a cadence with it instead of it being so random. And what advice would you give to someone who is working like full time in a career to pursue like hobbies or side projects that might feel like they aren't able to do that because they can't achieve like some sort of balance or give them give each product enough like love? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think taking a step back and just remembering how hard you worked for, to get to where you are now, I think it's so hard to not just be satisfied with where we're at. And once we hit that goal, we want more and mm -hmm. we want more clients and we want more projects and we want this big shiny client or whatever that may be. And I think it's important to just like look around and see like, okay, I've gotten this far and this is what I, I wanted one year ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, and just really enjoy that. And also I think just not making your identity your work or vice versa, not making your work your identity. And I think it's so easy to, you know, um, to do that. Yeah, yeah. To, to put our self-worth in what we're doing for work. And I listened to an incredible podcast called The Case Against Loving Your Job. And it basically talks about that this idea of loving your job 1000% and pursuing this calling, it actually just makes you work more and more because you identify with it so much and it doesn't leave room for rest and I think I have that problem yeah I had that problem too which is why it resonated with me so much and yeah and I, I needed to take a step back and just like remember that okay this is my job but what is my life mm -hmm. and so yeah I think it's just remembering that at the end of the day this is your job it, it's what makes you money but there's so many things outside of that whether it's spending time with your loved ones or going on vacations and experiencing new things or just curling up with a book on your couch with your cat or dog or whatever and like enjoying that moment because those are the moments that I think really matter at the end of the day. Totally. Love that. Um, so tell everyone where we can like follow you, subscribe to the newsletter, all of that stuff. Yeah, you can find me at Jordan Risa on Instagram, but you can find Scene Library 
on Instagram as well at scene library, scenelibrary.com. And then for the newsletter, it is how to be a woman on the internet.com. It's a mouthful, but <laughs> great topics in there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you today. so much for having me. Awesome. It was so nice sitting down with Jordan. She gave us a lot to think about when it comes to social media and how we connect with others. What was your favorite part? 